On today's episode of the podcast, we talked to Sharif Abdul-Rahim about his career and also becoming president of the G League and life advice. Enjoy August. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off. I love every tip-off. I love every one of them. And people ask me, hey, are you tipping off tonight? Because they know that's code for are the games on? And I'll say, yeah, come on over. Bring your kids. I don't care about the audio feed. You can walk in front of the television. Because this time of year, the second half of the NBA, it's about family. And that's one of my favorite things about my life. Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. The new documentary is Destination NBA, a G League odyssey. And joining us, a uh, longtime NBA player, now president of the G League, Sharif Abdul-Rahim. Uh, thanks for doing this. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Ryan. Thank you for having me. So I think anybody that's ever played at any single level of basketball, whether it be in the pros like yourself or just a guy trying to not break his ankles and pick up, you'll meet that one guy that was pretty good. And he'll say like, oh, the coach screwed me or I, I screwed up my knee. You know, had a transfer, right? Like everybody thinks that plays basketball, they were this close. And when I've watched the G League over the years, um, you know, there's a lot of guys playing going, if I just get my opportunity, but you played in the league, you put up big numbers. What do you think is the biggest separation between the 450 plus that play in the NBA and all the other players trying to get a chance? Yeah, you know, I think, I think, you know, when you're, you're in, you know, if you watch, you know, you speak of the documentary, um, yeah, I think Spencer Dinwiddie really um, will, will outline it. But when you, when you're close, as as close as guys are that play in the G League, you know, is really you know taking advantage and understanding you know what it is in your situation and your role that makes you an NBA player. You know, I think there are guys with talent. I think there's you know guys uh, with the ability. But I think a lot of times the separator are just those that understand, you know, what their role is, you know, what are the you know, kind of um, tangible um, things that will, will allow them to have an NBA career. Um, and, you know, that, you know, we see that in, in our league, you know, day in and day out. You, know, you watch the finals, it's, you know, guys like Duncan Robinson and Gabe Benson for the you know Miami Heat that started um, in the G League or um, Bruce Brown that played a lot his first couple of years in the G League. But, you know, those, those players that are able to just, you know, really um, figure out how they fit in the NBA and on the NBA team um, and bring value, and bring value are, are the ones. Yeah, when football, like the old story would be, okay, you're the, this big-time receiver you put up numbers in college and then you get to the pros and it's like, okay, you got to figure out a way to survive, right? Whether it's special teams, running kick coverage, 
you know, being somebody who can maybe get some kind of separation on first down. You're never going to be a star. You're never going to be these things. In basketball, I think it's even harder because anyone that's this good to even play in the G League means they were scoring a million points like their entire lives. Yeah, in some ways, sometimes it's like redefining yourself. You know, I think sometimes, you know, and, and you know, I talk to people and sometimes the, the most confusing or perplexing thing is like, you know, guy was a great college player, but yet he wasn't able to figure it out in the NBA. And, you know, sometimes that, you know, that thing that makes you special in college isn't necessarily what will transfer to the NBA game. It's a different game. And, you know, again, I think it's just the, the people, the players that are able to figure out how they find something that is really valuable for a team or for the NBA. And, and they stick to that and, and that allows them to have, you know, really good careers. And, you know, other guys that, you know, they play in our league or they may play other places. They're still really good players. They're still, um, you know, special talents. They, that skill just hadn't translated. It doesn't, you know, necessarily translate all the time. I defend the draft, uh, in, in all the sports just because I think of just how much better you can get later on. But you're, you're supposed to be somebody that has an impact right away. And, you know, a lot of the success, the success stories were like, oh, I didn't see that coming. It's like, okay, that guy figured out how to put in the right work, not just the work, the right work, and became that much better. You know, whether it's the G League role you have now or just playing all those years in the league, it, how often would you see somebody, you know, find themselves as a player much later than they, when they'd actually be drafted? Well, all the time, I think, you know, whether it was a, a guy like Mario Eli that, you know, played overseas and, you know, played in the old CBA and, you know, was probably a little older once he, you know, cracked and became a full-time um, NBA player. Um, you know, I, I played with guys like Mike Wilkes who had, you know, kind of, you know, moved between the NBA and been the D-League um, and, again, was a little more mature once he got, you know, his full opportunity to younger players like Jermaine O'Neal and I for the same draft. And it was, you know, not until he, you know, was traded from, Portland and got to Indiana where people really got to see the talent that he was because he was behind so many really talented players in in Portland, you know. So um, I think it, it happens. Like everyone's journey is just a little bit different. I think that's what our league stands for. You see, you know, half of, Ryan, half of the first round from last year's draft played the G-League, right? And, you know, so you mix that with, um, you know, four-year college players, you know, some players that have you know, been longer than four years. And I think that's really the great thing about our league is that, you know, different journeys, different paths. And it, it just happens for guys, you know, in, in different ways at different times. Sometimes everyone's journey is not the same. I remember watching ESPN show Life in the D-League. Uh, obviously, as an NBA guy, I love that show as well. You really get to know the characters involved in it. But if you look at the product then versus the product now, where is the league? Yeah, I think it's night and day. You know, I think the investment from the NBA and from NBA teams. I think at that time, that was like probably early 2000s, right? And I think you probably had, you know, eight to 10 teams and we were mostly spread out across the Southeast, right? Like places um, like Asheville, um, North Carolina and and Columbus, Georgia, where, you know, now we're, you know, this year will be 31 teams, you know, 29 of them, one-to-one relationships with NBA teams. Um, NBA teams have, 100% um, identified and seeing the value in having their G League teams to help develop players, help players that, that you know, are, you know, emerging and haven't yet kind of found their niche. Coaches 
And we have it's eight coaches that will be on NBA sidelines this year that got their start in, in the G League. Uh, uh, Taylor Jenkins, Quinn Snyder, uh, Darvin Ham. So our league overall has just, you know, really evolved into, um, you know, a special place for people to grow and develop and find their way. Um, and that's a lot of what you see in, in the documentary, um, Journey to the NBA. How different is it then, kind of the, the stigma of being, you mentioned half the first rounders are playing. Have you noticed just a far more open mind uh, in just the last couple of years with players? You know, granted, they're making that first round money. It's cooler to be on the NBA bench, but it, it just feels like because it's become more common that it, as if there's less resistance now to just go and get minutes. Yeah, I think uh, w- without a doubt, again, again, I, I, I credit it to um, the connection with the NBA and NBA teams, the quality of life um, our players have with their G League teams. Um, our teams do a really good job of taking care of them, helping them grow, helping them develop. And in many ways, um, it's become, in, in some cases, a rite of passage that, you know, this is just how, you know, an organization goes through their development process. Obviously, they're, you know, the super, super talented guys that, you know, you know, may never play in the G League, but there are a lot of really young players uh, that will spend time in our league and, you know, they go on to be really good players. You know, a couple of years ago, Jordan Poole, before he, you know, kind of blew up in the playoffs and the finals. Um, and, and that's just the process, I think. And, and there are enough stories now and examples of players that have, you know, used the G League, the Seth Currys, the Spencer Dinwiddies, um, Gary Payton II, that, you know, spent multiple years with us in the G League and have gone on to be really good NBA players in, in their own right. So, you know, I, I, we're a league opportunity. I think the, the players and, and people um, view us that way. In the NBA, we know guys can be selfishly driven to get their numbers, to get their contract. Um, but in the G League, you got to imagine there's plenty of players selfishly driven just to get a chance at it. How do your coaching staffs, how do the front offices handle the evaluation of like, okay, we know this guy's good, but we also know what his main goal is and, and we're still a team here? Yeah, again, like I, I think the the ability of teams to help guys understand what translates. Right, like the 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 player that gonna you know shoot every ball and you know average thirty points. Like most likely, that won't be your role um, on the NBA team. So I think you know role identification, uh, you know helping players kind of get an understanding and grow um, in their understanding of the game and team. All those things have become um, such a an important part. The connection with the NBA team. Again, I think helps that coaches in, in, in their um, process of growing as, as coaches, all of that, um, just that investment. Um, but, it, you know, it comes down again with just the understanding of, of, of players and, and what will help them, you know, reach their goals. How has Ignite changed the G League? I think young players overall, I think Ignite is um, a part of the landscape of professional basketball now, part of the landscape of the G League. Um, and, you know, they're unique because they it's all, you know, not all, but, you know, that team is made up primarily of um, young players that are on their way to, to the NBA that are draft eligible. Um, you know, so in the past it was, you know, Jalen Green and, 
and Jonathan Kaminga this past season, Scoot Henderson. Uh, we have a really talented group um, coming up this season, led by Matis Bruzelis and, and Ron Holland. You know, both projected to be uh, really high draft picks. But you you couple that team and that group with um, you know, again, half of the first round from the 2022 draft playing in the G League, for example, or um, a Mac McClung uh, playing in, in the G League, a Mason Jones playing in the G League, and you uh, you have a just a array of talent. Gabe York playing in the G League. You just have an array of talent of uh, players from different paths, different journeys, um, playing in our league, competing, um, and it, it makes for um, – you know, really good basketball, really good competition. I remember when you were drafted, uh, I'm sure you probably remember it better than I do. And <laughs> I remember all the numbers. And I was like, man, this guy is putting up huge numbers. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, this guy's awesome. If you ever get a chance. And then you switch teams, you go home to Atlanta. And look, I'm going to be fair to you just because not because you're on, because I think it's the truth. The teams you were on were not great teams. But then it turned into the perception of, oh, he puts up big numbers, you know, but dot, dot, dot. How did you handle that as a young player who felt like you were doing your part, but never even getting a chance to taste the playoffs? It's, it's, it's tough being on, um, you know, I guess, you know, now that I'm older, teams that weren't quite ready to, uh, to win. And, you know, as a young person, as a young player, you like, you internalize that and, you know, you take such a responsibility. You know, it wasn't until I was retired and I was working in the front office with the Kings where I started understanding, you know, building a team and how you put a team together and different things you need, you know, on the court and off the court that, you know, I understood just how hard um, it really, you know, it really is. But it's, it's you know, you don't... Um, you know, it's not at that time. It's not fun. Like my experience in the NBA was great. Um, you know, I got to meet a lot of um, outstanding people. That part of it, those like early years, those are you know, those are uh, you don't you don't enjoy that part of it. The, the um, you know, not being on good teams. Yeah, I guess I just want to try to dig into that a little deeper. In that, like, it had to be really tough. I mean, it had to be really hard to go on this top pick. I'm, I'm, I'm scoring. I'm, I'm getting boards. Everybody knows I'm really good. I have respect to other players, but you know, it wasn't until the Sacramento run where you finally got into the playoffs and, and all the, you know, I'm sure it wasn't fun for you to be like, Hey, longest active streak, this many games, never being in the, all the playoffs. Was, was there a moment where you were like, man, I don't, you know, I don't know how much longer I can do this. No, I never felt, I, I always had a, like a, a joy for playing and love playing. Um, love competing. So I've never, I never, you know, like got in that place. Um, like I said, it was, you know, as a young player, we were, you know, I, I, I was drafted to a team that was the second year of the team ever, right? And in Vancouver. Um, and we were trying to, um, you know, build the team and build up. And like I was really invested in that. And, uh, and the people I was working with, and my teammates, coaches, so on and so forth. And, you know, that turned into, you know, I got the opportunity to go home, but, you know, still. So, you know, as I got older, you know, probably in that moment, I tell people a story that, you know, my my wife, once I retired, she would tell me, like, during the season, you were awful. I was awful to be around, right? Because, you you know, you take those things, you know, you take winning and losing hard. Um, but just 
again, you know, when I look back on it and, you know, knowing what I know now, I understand how, um, you know, the things you need to have in place to, you know, just build successful organizations. Um, and, you know, how young, you know, we were in those, in those, uh, process. I was, you know, I probably, you know, Ryan, I probably in every organization I played for or worked for other than the Portland Trailblazers, um, was, you know, sold during my time in with those organizations or in the process of being sold during the time, you know, I was with those organizations. So all that turnover and change and transition, it doesn't bode well for, you know, building a, a sustainable organization. Okay. You mentioned something on the previous answer about once you got into the front office of Sacramento, you kind of understood. It was almost like, hey, you know, this this is different. What was what was the most revealing part of it being on the other side where you're evaluating, you're putting together the roster versus being a player that moment, you're like, okay, this is just way more different than I realize now that I'm in it day to day. Well, you, one, you know, what, you know, what you actually have control over, um, you know, as a player, you just think like, wow, when we just, if we just had this guy with us and this guy was on our team, we'd be so much better. You know, how hard it is to actually, you know, sign a player, or, you know, draft the right player. You know, um, you know, all, all of those different elements you have no idea about. Um, the, the, you know, what you need to have in place just from an infrastructure standpoint and stability standpoint to, you know, hire the right coaches, you know, right, you know, performance people to have those people around to support your team, support your, um, your, your, your players, the continuity you need to have. That's what I talk about, you know, the change in, you know, ownership. The continuity you need to have between the front office and you know, uh, and, and, you know, owner ownership is is important. So you know, once you start seeing those things again, um, you know, working in the league office, same thing. Once you start seeing the things that you need to have in place, um, you know, you you understand just how um, you know how daunting those you know building a team and 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 sometimes you know tough it can be. So the playing career, coaching staff, the front office, and now president of the G League, how do all of those things in your background influence how you conduct yourself in this really important role now? Well, I think, I think the thing that, that those different experiences have given me, um, you know, one is a lens and understanding of you know, what our league is about. You know, I understand it from, you know, a player's perspective, coaches, Front office uh, now working within the league office and the, the business of the NBA, if you will, um, you know, being able to be a part of you know all those walks of life, I can use that to to help you know guide and and, and direct you know how I you know help you know uh, illustrate the vision and 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 the path for the G League going forward. Uh, and then I think it allows me to be able to contribute to the league. And I mean, we're a league of young players, um, and give something to the game that is, um, rewarding to me. I think is unique in a way, um, that, you know, it's not very many, um, people that, you know, have my background that are, you know, in positions, um, like this. So I think it, you know, affords me the opportunity to be able to share, um, you know, insight, perspective with, um, you know, partners, uh, team, team owners, players that is you know, unique. When you see somebody come along like Scoop, 
Uh, you know, granted, you know, Chainlin Green and Kaminga, who you mentioned before. Um, but I fell in love with him two years ago when I was watching him because I just felt like, okay, physically, it's all the stuff you would want at this age, which seems impossible. Um, but give me some perspective on, on just watching Scoot as a former player, not even being in charge of the league. Well, I think the, the, the things that jump out to you, obviously, is, you know, for a young kid, like the physical, those are things that this is what, you know, first sight, you know, you know for a young kid, 17, 18 years old, physically, um, his attributes, his size, strength, power, speed, um, you know, he's a dynamic athlete. I think as you get to know him, you know, his character, uh, his, his work ethic, his toughness, his competitiveness, um, is, is, you know, how, how the qualities that he, he has to develop into a leader, um, how much he cares about people, cares about his teammates. Um, those are, you know, probably those are things where when I really look, I say, okay, these are, you know, elements about him, traits about him that bode well for him having a, a successful, um, a long and successful career. I don't know if you can even share this, um, but, you know, when I, I look at some of the changes and the opportunities for, you know, a scoot right out of high school, turning down the biggest programs, you know, Chalen as well. Um, some of the international options that we'd seen. We see some young players before go to Australia, play New Zealand. But is that something you can even share? Like what, because I can see from the outside being like, I wonder if they're trying to position themselves as like an even better alternative to some of the international basketball for American players. There's more competition to college basketball. Like how do you see the league positioning itself in the future as an option? Yeah, I think, you know, for... Uh, Young players on their path towards um, the NBA, I think the G League is a great option. I think the proximity to the NBA team, the talent you you compete against, the coaching that you receive, um, it's you know in the DNA of the G League to help players grow, develop towards being really good NBA players. The landscape of basketball has evolved. Uh, a great deal just over past three or four years. And, you know, just what you said, the, the different options that players have, be it going overseas, um, you know, college and, you know, the landscape of college has changed. Some of the other domestic opportunities um, young men have. And then the G League. And I just think we're unique in the sense that you know, past 20 years, like our league was built on the idea of helping players develop and prepare for the NBA. So last thing, what uh, what's next for you? You know, this is quite a resume. Yeah, look, I think I, I wake up every day um, energized to continue learning, continue growing. Um, you know, I think we have a lot of work to continue to do with the G League. Um, you know, we talk about our, our documentary, um, you know, G League, um, a journey to, to, the, to the NBA. Um, that would be on Amazon. I think continuing to be able to build it, help build the platform of the G League, tell the story, tell the stories of our players, uh, help all of our teams grow. I think in in that, if I can, you know, be in service and, and be a part of um, that part of, of the game, you know, we'll we'll see what you know what the future holds. But that in itself is, you know, it takes up you know my days and, and then some, and um, you know, I'm I'm excited for that. Thanks a lot, Sharif. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. 
The NFL futures are out, and now's the time to get in on the action early this season because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. All right, so let's take a look at some of the odds here. All right, one play that I'd be looking at with different totals is who do I think might be okay in the NFC or maybe who even who I think could be terrible, but the total or some of the betting options for the total wins is just too tasty to pass on. All right, let's take a look at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are going into the season, if you look at the strength of schedule stuff that's out there, they're facing either the easiest schedule or one of the three easiest schedules. Why is that? Let's run through their opposing quarterbacks. The Titans, week one. All right, Tannehill. Uh, Then you're taking on Bryce Young in his second game ever, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones, C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence. I imagine Richardson midseason will be the start at that point for Indianapolis. Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, Desmond Ritter, Jared Goff, Bryce again, Daniel Jones, Stafford week 15. Is he going to be playing week 16? And then at that point, is it Baker or Trask and then Ritter again? That is, that is brutal um, as far as a run of, of opposing quarterbacks. It's great for the Saints, all right? So if you look at the division, it's Tampa, quarterback question, Carolina, a rookie, and Ritter in his second year. So you start factoring the division, easiest schedule, opposing quarterbacks. Like, how are there not 10 wins in there? Now, granted, we've all learned our lessons over the years of the NFL. So if we look at some of the odds right now, New Orleans to win the divisions plus 130. I don't think that's a terrible risk right there on money. Over, there's different options for it. If you went over nine and a half wins, plus 114. Um, if you want to go 12 wins because you're feeling real dangerous and you want some kind of value out there, like, hey, let me throw down a hundred, you're plus 850 over 12 wins. So that's something to look at. Uh, if you want to stay in the division, Carolina at over six and a half wins is minus 190. So I have another one that I'll give out a little bit later with a much worse team where you're risking more money, but the way the totals work, because FanDuel's so good at this, they give you different options, not just the way we grew up with it being like, hey, what's the over-under? All right, here's the number. No, they give you three different numbers on total wins, and then they adjust the odds. FanDuel has tons of different player props, like passing yards, TDs, rushing and receiving totals, and more. Also, great team markets, like to make the playoffs, win the division, and Super Bowl matchups. And you can parlay together different picks for even bigger payouts. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com forward slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, to join today. There's no better place to get ready for football season than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NFL. So don't miss your chance to get $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Go to FanDuel.com forward slash Ryan to sign up today. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com forward slash RG. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issues. Non withdrawal bonus bets expire in seven days. After receipt, restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off. I love every tip-off. I love every one of them. And people ask me, hey, are you tipping off tonight? Because they know that's code for are the games on? And I'll say, yeah, come on over. Bring your kids. I don't care about the audio feed. You can walk in front of the television because this time of year, the second half of the NBA, it's about family. And that's one of my favorite things about my life. Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. 
This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at the fucking smile on my face. Ear to ear, baby. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house on the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice. Life advice rr at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. Baton Rouge Dilemma. See if I can help you out with this. Hey, fellas, 6-1-2-30. Dad bot. No workout stats worthy of impressing Saruti's attractive cousin. Whoa, dude, that's my, that's my yeah, material. You can't and by the way, and Saruti still doesn't like it. All right, so <laughs> back off. Um, but I do have an 800-plus credit score on the mortgage lending report, so I got that going for me, which is nice. My brother Tim is celebrating a milestone birthday this year, turning 40, and his one bucket list item is to attend an LSU home game in Death Valley. We are Midwest Big Ten folks, so an SEC trip would be a rarity. That's great. You can go home, and your friends can say, is it really that better? Much better. You'd be like, I'm going to lie to you. Uh, my other brother. <laughs> no one got more upset about an advertising strategy than Danny Cannell. <laughs> Yeah, but honestly, I agree with him, though. Why? It's a fucking ad campaign. I partially agree with him. You're right, but but you're right. At the surface, it's an ad campaign, but those fans take it way too seriously. Like That's like their life motto. And I and I am pissed off on his behalf for that. Right. But I would just say if, if the ACC like, won that many championships and had that many players drafted versus every other conference, he wouldn't use those things? Correct. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a Danny issue, though. <laughs> Um, I, I just don't understand being mad at the campaign. I like, if you go to Disney, do you walk around at the end of the three days being like, my dreams didn't come true? <laughs> this is not the happiest place on earth. <laughs> yeah. Actually, is there anyone I can talk to? I've been here three days. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I can think of three places right now that are happier. <laughs> All right. So, um, anyway, my, my, uh, my other brother, Brian and I are on the cusp of, I guess we're just throwing it all out there today, folks, this summer, people leaving all the info in, uh, on the cusp of securing tickets and weekend accommodations in New Orleans for an October home game. We decided to ask our father to join the festivities. He's retired living in Texas. How about this? What great brothers. Somehow our father took this to mean that his wife would also be invited. Our mother died about five years ago. And big shocker, neither myself and two brothers are particularly enamored with the new wife. There is nothing overtly objectionable about her, but she's not a drinker. Tough fit in Baton Rouge. A bit of a wet blanket and would generally spoil what should be a fun, raucous weekend. 
I don't see how we could uninvite our dad, but would need advice on how to let it be known. We just want the four of us to go. Myself, my two brothers are all married and all our spouses are staying home. Any insight, graciously appreciated. Um, and love the pot and congrats to Kyle on his recent nuptials and container store bargain hunting success. Thanks. Did you say it was a bargain? I did not. Yeah. I did say I, I hit up the clearance, got some, got some shelf liners for $7 each, but uh, not too much. It was pretty picked over. All right, this sucks, and you got to stop it, but it's your dad, and you obviously care enough about your dad to invite him on this trip in the first place, and you've got to think about your dad. He's retired. There's not many fucking activities coming down the pike that are this exciting, right? So he's going to say yes, but that might mean that his new wife doesn't like him going, you know, she's, she's a little bit more controlling, perhaps, can make that assumption. Maybe she has no friends, and then she just can't fathom the idea. Like, some people are in these relationships. I'll never understand it. Um, because I don't have to worry about it. Anyway, uh, you're, in a, you're in a tough spot, but you need to fix it. You need to fix it. She can't come. She can't come on this trip. And I think what you have to do is make it, I mean, the obvious easy answer to a lot of this stuff is you're just going to talk to him about it, but it's like how you talk to him. And I think forceful is actually the way. So there's no gray area. Be like, hey, dad, here's the deal. He's married. I'm married. The other brother's married. This is the 40th. This is a boys weekend. We have been planning this for a long time or whatever the timeline is because then we've been like, this is about the guy's weekend. And if he's your dad, he'll understand. That. He has to understand. That. Okay. I know there's a next layer where now she's going to figure out that if he goes without her, that she's uninvited. Uh, you know, maybe I'm just too hopeful about how rational people can be about this whole thing. You also... I mean, this part sucks because if it were a friend, you could go, hey, our friend is actually going through like a rough time and <laughs> you're cool coming with us and doing the whole thing. But like, I don't know that he wants another person removed, but you can't do that with the brothers because if you were exaggerate that one of the brothers is going through a rough time, then dad's going to be thinking about that because he's going to be caring about his son and his well-being. So that one doesn't really work. Um, you could make up all sorts of things about accommodations. We don't have this. We don't have that. Look, it's Louisiana. They have the way like they'll maybe not in Baton Rouge, but New Orleans, like you'll find a way to be accommodating. So you can't sit there and say there's not going to be any hotels or any of that kind of stuff. You could argue, hey, we only got the four tickets, so you're kind of screwed there. I mean, maybe you try that one, right? That's the light one. But I, I think the best thing would be just being straightforward and direct going, hmm. we are in an age, a stage of our lives where we're not getting many of these ever again. And we want one last run at it as a boys weekend. And that's all it is. It's no offense to her. We invited you because we love you and you want me to be a part of it. But I can't, like, it's not going to work because the thing is, you can't end up with a scenario where she comes on this weekend. Yeah. I think full clarity is the way to go. And then you can even be like, all right, dad, be honest. Did you already tell her? Did you tell her? If that's the case, well, what do you need from her. us? He yeah. definitely told her. He definitely told her. And then, and then she'd be like, all right, now that this is out of the way, what do you need from us to make your life easier? <laughs> like, do you need us to say something publicly? So that, you know, so that, you know, the, that you could best sell this to your wife. You know, I, we want you to come. We don't want you to be in the doghouse. We don't want you to be, you know, getting chewed out for, for coming with your sons on this thing. So is there a way that, is there anything that we, us three can do to make it so that this isn't uh, as tough for you? Because now you got to undo some of this damage. I think that's, I think that's the two pronged assault is the, is the, the straight up, this is not happening. We need you though. We need you, dad. And then also what can we do to circle up and, and, and support you in this in this trying time of uh, telling your new wife she's not coming. 
I agree with everything you guys said. Maybe what you can do, and I, this kind of sucks on the wives and girlfriends situation, but can you do like a side thing with the women where the dinner feel left out? <laughs> yeah, like there's something. I don't know. Maybe you guys don't live around each other. I don't know. So that, that could throw a wrench in the works. But if you do live somewhere near each other, could, you know, could you just be like to your wife, could you just, could you just take one for the team here and like do a dinner thing so she doesn't feel Barbie's left out. out? She still feels part of the plan, but she doesn't have to go on the trip. Yeah, go see Barbie. Well, I guess it would be a little too late for that. Maybe they have a, you know, a home viewing experience for it. But I, I, I think, yeah, you're right. He, he, she can't go. She can't go. And I think it, the bummer thing is like your dad kind of has to understand that too. And if he doesn't, then that's, that's just, I feel bad for you because that's really shitty. Um, but he, ha- he has to understand. I mean, you're right. It's all about how you frame it. And you have to frame it that this is a, this is a weekend for us. We want to be with you. It's not that we don't like her, but like this is for us to connect on. You know, we're not going to have a ton of these, as you said, Ryan, uh, for the rest of our lives. Um, frame it that way. But I do think, I do think if there's like a side thing that, that, that the new wife can do so she doesn't feel as bad, that's probably your best bet. Three pronged assault. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. I don't know that there's anything else to add to that. <laughs> there isn't. But she you can't know be bad with you guys. You knew the assignment. But I don't have some crazy backdoor, like, oh, this is the thing that no one's ever thought about. It's going to work perfectly. Um, you know, unless you wanted to, like, go, hey, let's all pitch in. She can have a spa day while, while dad's Send her to daycare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, pretty much. Drop her off at daycare. Adult babysitter. Okay, um, this one is fucking long. I don't know, man. What do you think? You up for a long one? Yeah. Summertime. Time. All right. Player comp, right-handed D-low. I'll typically have a bad night, but not a night uh, where I get benched, but instead go two of 15, six turnovers as well. But those two shots or threes in the fourth quarter to make the game close with a few minutes left, only to inevitably lose by 15 after getting torched on defense, three safe possessions in a row. However, I will occasionally have the game where I can't miss, but it's probably because they bench their best defenders midway through the third because their whole team is firing on all cylinders. All right, that's just, that's a that tells you that we got to. This is going to be long. Buckle yeah. up, Descri- a descriptive dude. I don't know the best way to break up my girlfriend. I tried earlier this week unsuccessfully, which sounds stupid, but hear me out. We've only dated for a couple of weeks, and if you haven't, if I haven't lost you already, I'm sure I have. I have now. Uh, they've only dated a couple of weeks, and they couldn't break up. But it does get more interesting. I really like this girl, but can already tell she isn't the one. I honestly wasn't ever super sure about us when we first started dating officially, but we knew she was kind of what I wanted and checked a lot of boxes at the time. I knew eventually I wanted to get there and thought I would. On top of that, I could tell she needed validation and concrete labeling to feel more secure about things. The main reason I was hesitant that this is the first girl I've been seriously talking to since my dad passed away last year, and I just didn't know how I would handle it. After a few weeks of talking to her, I would just get annoyed with little things quickly and never feel like I could get any deep conversations due to my own walls being up, but also because of always felt like she would have something surface level to complain about, such as an upset stomach, headache, or lack of drinking water all day, (laughs) like every single day. There were other little things like this as well, but I won't bore you with the details. Thanks. Yeah. I like to be there for my partner relationship, but more so in the support of in accomplishments or comforting during big problems way than I guess I could get you a glass of water and tell you how to drink how many times over the next hour <laughs> kind of way. Um, this guy's a pretty good writer. I think along, I think that along with my past, it makes it hard to want to talk about anything too serious, but that's just not a great start to a relationship, in my opinion. I've explained this all to her, but she still wants to be together. And so currently the compromise is to reconvene at a later date and discuss further. However, business like that sounds, it makes sense in my head. L-O-L. 
Here's where the drama comes in. There's another girl as well. Whoa, shocking. Wow. That was him. I'm sure you three are all thinking at this point, the first paragraph is just an excuse to be with a shiny new thing. And trust me, I've wondered that myself. But I know that I was thinking all of those things before this girl was ever in the picture. For context, this girl and I have been friends for a while. She even helped me get through a lot of last year with everything revolving around my dad. She had a boyfriend at the time, and I was in no place to even consider having a partner at the time. She has since broken up with her boyfriend, and the subsequent girlfriend is now single and ready to mingle. I didn't know this until very recently, as in less than a week, and the timing of it all just seems messy on my end. I know she wants to be with me, but I can also recognize for the myriad of reasons we probably should wait at least a while. Fuck, I'm still technically not even single. Yeah, you are. You've only been dating two weeks. Yeah, we know this is going. Yeah. All right. You may think, well, this isn't part of the reason, well, isn't part of the reason you want to break up with girl number one is because your walls are up. Why would this be different? The main reason, which I kind of hinted at, is that we've been friends much longer and she knows everything about my trauma and so uh, such so that I feel more comfortable talking to her about anything and everything uh, than someone that is relatively new in my life. Girl one and I aren't really friends, just acquaintances before we started talking, even dating. You may think, what's the big deal? Dump her and move on. More drama incoming. The two girls know each other well. They're not core friends, but they both run in the same circles and been on sports teams together and such. And we all used to be in a big sports hobby community together. Legos. I, uh, however, I've moved away and girl number two will be moving away soon. And girl number one will be moving away in a year or so. Remember, let's all remember that fact. Girl number one, the first girl that doesn't even want to date, try to break up with last week. That's only been dating for two weeks and you're not really dating, but, um, she's moving away in a year, but we all stay in touch with the community and will likely do so moving forward. Uh, how old was this guy again? He didn't say. You're very young, I would imagine. Uh, here's a heads up. You're not all going to stay in touch for the rest of your lives. <laughs> um, I don't want to hurt. We're almost done here. Girl number one's feelings because I do care about her. I just know she isn't the one. She's far more into me, which makes it hard. And oh, did I mention her sister said, quote, oh, he's way out of your league day one. Wow. Sweet sister. So you this guy's hot. We got a hot, verbose dude here. Which I don't think is super accurate or relevant, but girl number two would be maybe more <laughs> my league. <laughs> so it's not that girl number one is less attractive than me. It, it's that girl number two is more attractive. It's just too good like for D3 it. basketball. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's 4A. Again, not something I was thinking about, but I don't want her to question her own self-worth after I dump her. <laughs> it feels like it would be better for her to hate my guts and think I'm an awful person who saw flaws in nothing. Yeah, I used to love that. Be like, I hope this person hates me instead of actually having to talk about it and have a reason. Uh, then, of course, I could just be someone who just went uh, to another girl right away. If that makes sense, it does in my brain, I guess. I don't think pictures for reference are relevant as I couldn't care less <laughs> about looks. Big personality guy over here, meshing well with all that matters as long as you've reached a threshold of attracted to each other, which is true in both cases here. I think potentially I'm just looking for ways to do this without feeling like a shitty person. However, that may be an inevitability. All right. A um, couple things. You are very smart. And what can happen with people that are smart is you overthink the fuck out of things, which is exactly what you just did here and what you've been doing here for weeks, man. People fucking break up. All right. And there's usually one person that isn't thrilled about it. So what you need to do is stop fucking thinking about all of this stuff. As another overthinker, I see all the stuff here, right? There comes a time where you have to stop thinking you're so fucking special that the other person's life is going to be ruined if you break up after two 
fucking weeks. She's going to be bummed out. It's not going to be great for her. There will be a person that has different feelings about you. But it's so obvious that you're not into girl number one. And it may not even be about girl number two. You're not into girl number one. You're, you're, maybe the walls are accurate. Maybe girl number one, if you were in a different place, if you were more open, you were more, there was no girl number two, maybe these things are all working out. But every one of us, male, female, need to stop thinking that we're so fucking special, that our egos are so inflated that we're ruining the lives of the other person that we don't want to be with. Because a lot of times you're doing that person a favor, all right? So I'd imagine a little more seasoning being around a little bit longer, you, you'd become desensitized to what you, what you think you're imposing on this other person. So um, yeah, I would, I would be more clear. Clearly, you didn't close, meaning you got together with her, but you couldn't close getting out part. Um, there's, there's no way to even be in a relationship like this where the other person thinks that they're going to get dumped every other week. It's, it's agonizing for them. So you could even say, Hey, I'm not into this the way you are into it. And I want to be clear. And what's even worse is if you're leaving here today saying, well, at least I salvaged this. That's only going to add more stress and anxiety moving forward to the rest of the relationship, because this is how I feel right now. And so staying together in some, some do it yourself way, you know, some, spackle and duct tape, like it's not going to hold. It's, it's not going to be a long-term solution to this. So you'd actually be signing up for a way worse deal than just the uncertainty of dating somebody in the beginning, right? That she needed these labels and all this different stuff. The thing she, the sister said is super fucked, um, unless they have that kind of relationship, I guess. But I would stop. It, as, as smart as it can be to try to attack everything from every single angle, you're doing way too much of it here. Way too much of it. You don't want to be with her. You don't, and you potentially might want to be with girl number two, and they're both fucking moving. So who knows what's going to happen, man? Just step back, deep breath. Whatever happens, happens. A little more zen approach to the whole thing, all right? It's going to be a year from now and a year. There's nothing you can fucking do about it, all right? So stop, stop stressing yourself out. And also stop thinking that like, because, and this isn't even a criticism, but it can be very true in relationships when the ego, and I don't know that this person's like an egomaniac, but you can start to think like everything revolves around you and then you're responsible for everyone's feelings around you when it's like, no, they're probably, this, that's not going to be the case. Yeah. I think you got to ask yourself, like, do I have the stones to straight up break up with her because I'm not into this? And if not, I think you still have to end up broken up with this whole thing. So. I think you should probably try to find the stones to break up with her and say that this isn't, you're not into this, whatever. Uh, but if not, maybe you just might have to pick a fight over a small thing and then just, you know, <laughs> turn up the asshole and then, uh, and then, and then you leave. <laughs> just amplify <laughs> that part of yourself. That's a great call. Tax the sister. Be like, so you think I'm hot. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, you word on the street is you, you, get think, out. you think my vibes are fire. <laughs> Sorry, what you're putting I was, down. I was trying to do something uh, or was an old guy sounding yeah. down. Well, or, it sounds like too the, the issue obviously is that he is like he does one, he's he doesn't want to hurt this girl's feelings that he's breaking up with, which is understandable, but I mean ninety nine percent of times you break up with somebody, they're not gonna be pumped about it, is what it is, grow up and, and just get over it. But I also understand like not wanting to compound that with then dating someone that she knows right away and then it makes her feel worse. Like that does make you feel like a shitty person. So like if it was just a straight breakup, I'd say, all right, yeah, just break up with her, man. Like you don't like her. It's like you're doing her a favor. 
But he, but I understand why he's like, I also don't want to add this other layer of emotion to her, um, you know, at a, at a very fragile time. Can you just like really slow play sort of, she obviously knows you're kind of with this other girl. They know each other. Can you kind of come to some agreement where like, hey, let's just start dating. Take it kind of slow. Don't make anything, don't put any labels on it officially. I know Jim she's moving in a year too, but just like, don't put, you know, don't make it Facebook official a week from now after you just broke up with this other girl. Just like, just slow play it a little bit. I think you'll be fine. Sneak um, around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's exciting. You know, I, you seem really confident in the other girl that she's very into you. So I, again, she has to know that you're with this girl right now. So I don't know. I, she probably has the same feelings too. I'm assuming she doesn't want to just jump in a relationship with you right away because people are going to pr- start judging and it is what it is that you shouldn't care that much about that. But still, it is what it is. So just slow play. Everybody's moving. Everybody's moving and you're young and you're in this young space of thinking that you're all going to hang out all the time. You're not going to hang out all the time. You're going to lose touch. And if you think girl number two really is this special and you've only dated this girl a couple of weeks and they were on a fucking soccer team together in Chicago suburbs, you know, I didn't even know if it was Chicago, but I'm just, because I always, whenever I think of like adults in intramurals, I always think of Chicago. Kickball. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. There you go. Capital. Adult intramural capital of the world. Chicago. Did I interrupt you, Saruti? I kind of did. No, that's all I really had. I mean, I know it sucks, but. Yeah, sucks. I don't know. Breaking up sucks. I think sneak around. At least you're not her. Yeah. That's right. I really like the makeup of fake thing. Like, yeah, maybe she just, to, to harken back to one of our previous emails. She says, hey, I'm having this dream. Just blow up. Be like, I don't fucking care about dreams. Shut up. And then boom, you're out. <laughs> right. Did you like a Chalamet post? What are you, fucking him? <laughs> <laughs> Just make it like the craziest thing ever. Uh, be unreasonable. <laughs> I DM'd like there was somebody incredibly famous who was going through it pretty bad. And I was with some girls at a dinner and we were talking about it. And I was like, I'll just send her a DM, tell her to keep her head up. And somebody saw the DM. I was like, are you fucking serious? And I was like, did you think I was doing that? Thinking like, oh yeah, no, I'm deaf. I'm not that far from the beach. I got a boat. Like it was, it was a joke for the dinner, but she couldn't understand like that sense of humor. She just was like, wait, but why did you DM her? I go, I DM'd her for the table. I DM'd her for the entertainment of somebody who's definitely never going to get back to me. Like, oh, thanks, whatever. It was it was the absurdity of sending a DM to somebody you knew was never going to respond to you just to show like, hey, keep your head up, rooting for you, prayer hands. And again, if you know me, that it actually checks out a little bit more. But if the other person doesn't know me or doesn't know the other girls that I was friends with in doing this, she's like, you were you like trying to make a play? How about that guy's wife that caught him uh, hitting up Dua Lipa? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. firing hell. That is weird, though. That is a red flag. So, like, if she didn't know you super well, yeah, I'd understand why she'd be like, "Wait, is this one of those that, one of those guys that like randomly DMs super famous people just to see?" That is kind of a creepy. Hail Mary, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe you could do that. All right. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Steve. Ryan Russell Podcast, Springer Spotify.
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC Pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. 